The winter meetings started in Nashville, and the Rangers haven't done anything just yet. On the day show, I'm breaking down why that's okay, and at least they're not taking steps back like a certain division rival. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the World Series champion Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of Locked On Rangers. Thank you all so much for making us your first listen every single day. Not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, before we get into today's show, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Now, the Rangers enter the winter meetings with not all that many holes to fix and as World Series champions, so you'd be you'd be hard-pressed to, to fault them if they win in these winter meetings thinking, yeah, we don't really have to do very much. There's not a whole lot to fix on this Rangers roster. And for the most part, they're right. I mean, they are coming off a World Series championship. The only everyday bat that they're losing is, well, kind of Robbie Grossman and Mitch Garver. Both of them are free agents, but the rest of their lineup is locked up for the long term. In terms of starting pitching that they're losing, uh, there's not really a whole lot outside of Jordan Montgomery, who wasn't a starter for the full year, but was crucial down the stretch and in the World Series and on, in the playoffs in general. And uh, that's really it. There's not a whole lot else that the Rangers are losing. I mean, some random bullpen pieces, but there's just not a whole lot to do. And that's a really weird position for the Texas Rangers, given where they've been for the last couple of years. Especially what they've done the last couple of free agency periods. There have been a lot of podcasts from on this show, a lot of content, a lot of you know previewing every single free agent on the market the last couple of years, because that's who the Rangers have been linked to, was basically everybody. And here we are, as the Rangers are defending World Series champs, which is, uh, I'm going to just keep saying about 100,000 times every single podcast until it's not true, because, uh, yeah, why not enjoy the heck out of it? But the Rangers are not in the same kind of mode that they were the last couple of years. They are not in full rebuild, full renovation mode, full tear the house down to the studs and replace everything, because the house that the Rangers have right now, the team that they have on the field well it just won the world series and it was pretty darn good for most of the year and especially in october where the rangers didn't lose a single road game in october that was fun i don't know if they're gonna do that again but you know let's see if they try it again next year but still there's not that much to do there's not that much to completely overhaul i mean last year basically the entire starting pitching staff was turned over i mean the rangers signed jacob de grom they brought back martin perez they brought in nathan Eovaldi. they brought in um andrew heaney as well they also traded for jacob rizzi that was a lot of starting pitching that they made moves for and then they acquired two more starting pitchers at the deadline so lots of starting pitching acquired but they've still got most of that rotation under contract for next year. I mean, uh, Jordan Montgomery is a free agent and uh, Martin Perez is a free agent. But other than that, most everybody's coming back. But again, the main problem the Rangers have with that rotation is that uh, it's old. It's old and it's fragile. 
for the most part. There is needs there needs to be some shoring up of their rotation for next year. Now this is what it looks like as of now. I've probably done this almost every single episode, but I'd say Nathan Uvalde, your game one starter, your opening day starter. Then you've got Max Scherzer. Then you've got John Gray, Dane Dunning, um, and Andrew Heaney who opted back in. And I'm sure Cody Bradford will get some starts. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be in the opening day rotation. I'm actually pretty sure he's not going to be unless there is some kind of injury um, and the Rangers don't sign anybody. But at this point that's about what it looks like. And, and from these guys, these are all pretty good starting pitchers to fine starting pitchers, but I'm not projecting a whole lot of length from them. I mean, this year, the Rangers had two starters who pitched more than 150 innings. They had Dane Dunning at 172 and two thirds innings who led the team. And then John Gray, who had 157 and a third innings, who missed uh, three starts, basically three starts away from a full season, 29 starts for him, 157 innings. And then nobody else hit 150. Nobody else in this entire rotation. The Rangers had two guys with more than 150 innings in the rotation that brought in, what, seven starting pitchers from the time the season ended? It's a lot. It's a lot of starting pitching, and a lot of it is coming back. But again, they need a little bit more than they got. I mean, they've also got, at some point, uh, Jacob deGrom is is maybe going to come back next year. The expectation, the hope, is sometime in August. So... Not exactly, um, you know, bolstering the bulk work in the regular season, but definitely a guy who you want in your rotation in October. Definitely a guy who you want starting at game one in a playoff series. Definitely a guy you want on the hill as much as possible. But again, the bulk work, the ugly innings, the innings munching, uh, there's not as much going to be expected from Jacob Grom this year. So I'd say they need probably somewhere in the 100 to 130-ish inning range from free agent acquisitions uh maybe a little bit more maybe a little bit less they you can ask less of certain guys if you bring in you know higher end starting pitchers whether that's via trade whether that's via free agency uh, i don't think the rangers are going to be playing for you know yamamoto they're already pretty much out uh, almost assuredly out on the shohei otani experience who he's not even going to pitch at all next year anyway um and i don't see them being in the bidding war for Blake Snell. But here's about what I'm projecting for innings-wise from these starting pitchers next year. I think Eovaldi, maybe you could expect 150 innings. He was a little bit below that this year. If he hits, uh, I believe, 156 innings, then he will have that vesting option vest for 2025, and you will have another year of team control for him, um, which you could still extend him anyway because he is a World Series hero. Uh, But he is getting up there a little bit. Next year is going to be his age 34 season. He has had injury concerns for basically, no, for his entire career. There have been injury concerns. And the Rangers are just honestly kind of lucky that he got healthy at exactly the right time. Because if Nathan Ivaldi doesn't get healthy, literally, like, as soon as the playoffs start, it was just like, boom, Nathan Ivaldi's healthy. I mean, he had to do rehab starts at the major league level for his last, what, three starts that he, he did in September? three, four, however many it was. And he did not look good. He, he did not look good in September, but the calendar turned to October and there's October Nathan Eovaldi. That is a guy who you want in your playoff rotation who can go and be your ace in a World Series run because he was co-ace with Jordan Montgomery, but ace pretty much nonetheless. That is a guy who you want, but you're going to have to manage his innings. I think 150 innings is about the, the most the Rangers should expect from him, even if he's healthy, just 
tampering those innings down. I mean, we saw how much he worked at the beginning of the year. I mean, he was you know, among the league leaders in innings pitched around uh, at the end of May when he won AL Pitcher of the Month in May. He stepped up really big when Jacob DeGrom went down, and the Rangers needed that absolutely. Um, they needed him in May and June and uh, July until he got hurt and missed basically six weeks, missed, I think, all of August and uh, a decent chunk of uh, July at the back end uh, and just came back, again, got healthy right in the middle of that. Then the next guy in your rotation is Max Scherzer, who I think you're hoping for 150 innings from him. I mean, he's been very durable throughout his entire career, but the last couple of years, he's finally succumbed to injuries just a little bit, pitched around 150 innings uh, this past year. And uh, he's turning 40 in July of next year. So the Rangers are going to want to be careful with him. He is a guy who has been very durable. He's very good. Um, the Rangers could have really used him being fully healthy, his fully healthy self in the playoffs last year. Um, but they took what they could get from him, and he helped the Rangers win a World Series. Without those you know, six or however many innings that he actually ended up pitching uh, in in the playoffs this, this, most, this past season, the Rangers couldn't do it without him. Those were important innings, every single one of them, including the three that he had in World Series Game 3, I believe it was. Yes, Game 3. But still, the Rangers are going to need to shore up that rotation. The only guy who I think is the Rangers can count on for more than 150 innings is the guy that counted on for more than 150 innings this past year. That's Dane Dunning. He's probably going to be the Rangers' number 4 in the rotation. I think John Gray, maybe in the 150-ish innings range, but 170 innings for for Dunning, I think feels reasonable. He got over 170 innings this year, um, and he has been durable. I mean, he had a hip issue that uh, knocked him out at the end of 2022, um, but he came back and was healthy this year. He was great out of the pen, and then he was great in the first half and was okay enough down the stretch, and he provided the Rangers some very, very valuable innings and was a solid, solid mid-rotation starter this year. I mean, I think we forget because he wasn't starting really any playoff games, um, how solid he was throughout throughout the year. I mean, 26 starts, 172 and two-thirds innings, and a 370 ERA. Now, I don't know if he's going to do exactly that next year, but if he's got like a four-ish ERA next year in 175-ish innings, that's a very valuable guy in your rotation, especially one with guys with so many injury concerns that the Rangers rotation is filled with next year. Coming up, we'll look at some of the other starting pitchers, why it's, it's so is so tempting to go crazy in this offseason why the rangers really don't need to do all that much this winter right after this word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by fanduel score early this nfl season with fanduel america's number one sports book right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can check out odds on Dak Prescott to win the MVP. I think there's some decent odds on Luka Doncic to win the NBA MVP. If you want to bet on the Stars to keep doing well, or if you wanted to bet on the Rangers to win the AL West next year, I'm sure they've got future odds on that as well. So check out FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus all our national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, let's take a look at what has gone on so far in these winter meetings. 
not much. Not much at all has been going on so far for the winter meetings, except for the Seattle Mariners, who decided to make yet another trade. Jerry DePoto cannot be stopped. He is Mr. Trade. He is just has the itchiest trade trigger finger in, I don't know, any major sports GM. And the man just lives, eats, breathes, and sleeps trade. I don't think he looks forward to any day more on the calendar than the winter meetings because he's like, oh boy. I'm about to do some trades. So the Mariners made a trade last night. Um, the Mariners will be sending Jared Kelnick, left-handed pitcher Marco Gonzalez, and first baseman Evan White to the Braves for pitchers Jackson Kowar and Cole Phillips. Those are two guys who I don't know how much we'll be seeing them in the majors for the Mariners this year. Um, I believe it was Kowar, who was a former first-round pick or would have been a first-round pick, if not for Tommy John surgery. Just some guys who have some decent upside, but for the most part, this is just a salary dump. For the Mariners, I mean, Marco Gonzalez is making twelve and a half million dollars next year. He's probably their number seven starter in the rotation, behind the guys who they had healthy this year and Robbie Ray, who I still sometimes forget is on the Mariners and is making twenty five million dollars this year. Um, and Evan White, who if you don't know Evan White, uh, he is a guy who got a pretty substantial contract. I believe it was around $50 million uh, before he had really established himself as an everyday big leaguer. He was a prospect with a very, very bright future, and he just has not panned out. He has not been a major league caliber starting player. Um, He's had injuries, and he was projected to be a, you know, really, really good hitter and just hasn't been. And they also send Jared Kelnick, who was a guy who I really liked last year. It was a, a guy who had been a top prospect for a long, long time and, uh, you know, had a really great breakout first half of the season. And the Mariners just are punting on him. They're attaching him to this deal to basically save around $20 million. And they're also sending money, which we don't know how much money that is. I'm assuming it's maybe in the like $5 million range. So the Rangers or the Mariners are just, you know, dumping this young promising player in an offense that is frankly not good he was one of their few offensive bright spots last year i mean he ended the end of season numbers weren't as you know great as the first half uh, but still he looked like a very promising young player he's gonna be going into his age 24 season he's really coming into his own they've already traded eugenio suarez um this offseason and i mean their offense which was you know Julio Rodriguez and friends, as I've described it many times, is just becoming Julio Rodriguez and fewer friends. It's Julio Rodriguez and J.P. Crawford and Cal Raleigh. And if Cal Raleigh is your third best hitter, um, he's got an on-base of 306 last year, not a high on-base guy, a guy who's a bopper and would be better served you know, deeper down in the lineup. But I don't know what the Mariners are doing. It feels like they're just crying extreme poor. They're a team who should have been uh, you know, at the top of the Otani sweepstakes. It made all the sense in the world for them to add a guy like Otani. But here they are trading you know, guys who had disappointing seasons. Eugenio Suarez had a disappointing season last year, but still a solid major leaguer. I mean, a solid bat in your lineup with potential for bounce back. I mean, they let Teoscar Hernandez walk uh, without giving him a qualifying offer. I understand that. That makes sense. But it just all of these moves adding up. I mean, they've shed somewhere in the like 30 to maybe 40, 50, maybe 50 even million dollar range of payroll. And so maybe it looks like they're going to add someone big, but I don't think they will. Like, I mean, maybe it's opening up a move for, um, you know, 
trades for Randy Rose Reyna, uh, for, I believe, Isak Paredes. They've been ring- linked to the Rays. Um, last night's deal just kind of came out of nowhere. It literally happened, uh, came together in a day. Um, but it just seems like, that for right now, the Mariners are just shedding cap room. And that is, or not, not even cap room, there's no cap in baseball, just shedding payroll in general, which doesn't make sense. I mean, they're a team who is young and promising, Have has probably the best pitching staff in all of baseball that is all young and controllable and durable, which, again, is very incredibly difficult to do. But they just needed to add a few bats, and they keep trading away bats. I don't know what they're doing, and it worries me that the Rangers might be, you know, leaning more towards this model of talking about payroll flexibility and, you know, not being able to spend at the top of the market and, oh, we got all these other factors, which I don't need the Rangers to go and sign Shohei Otani or, you know, dish out, you know, $300 million for Yamamoto. I mean, that'd be fun, but it's not necessary and it might not be, you know, the most prudent use of resources to use a phrase that I absolutely hate uh, because it, it screams of crying poor. But, then I saw this article from Evan Grant at Dallas Morning News talking about the five players, five Rangers players most likely to be included in trade talks, and you know they all looked like guys who I had even projected as as guys who who might be included in trade talks. And Jack Leiter, eh, I don't love it, but it makes sense. Foscue definitely gonna be way up there. Ezekiel Duran, um, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Leo Tavares, but the one that really gave me pause was Nathaniel Lowe being included there. And now this wasn't Evan saying that he was the most likely to be traded but the guy most likely to be brought up in trade talks. But I don't think that's going to be from the Rangers' end, if that's me. Because at first base, you have a guy who is coming off a gold glove season, and the season before that, he had a silver slugger, and he was the second best bat in your lineup in 2022. He, he just was. He was and maybe even the best bat in your lineup in 2022. He was fantastic. He's coming off a down year offensively, but he improved significantly defensively, and he's been making... I mean, the, the, the statistic that Evan cited is he's going to be making, you know, $9 million, which is double what he made last year, which is fine. That's not that big a salary. I mean, a guy coming off a, you know, two and a half war season, and before that, I believe it was around um, two and a half war the year before that. He's a nine career baseball reference war. Um, yeah, 3.3 war season the season before that. So his three seasons in Texas, 2.3 war, 3.3 war, 2.6 war. That guy making $9 million is... Is a guy who you're looking to trade? What? Are you kidding me? The guy who hit third in your lineup for most of the year? Granted, it was a down year offensively, but also, you remember his mother was dealing with brain cancer for, what, most of the season? If not at least, you know, the back half of the season? Like, this is a guy who, you know, fits well in your lineup. He lengthens your lineup. He sees a lot of pitches. Everyone loves him in the clubhouse. And the fact that him making $9 million would be an impediment in any way to this team is frankly mind-boggling. I mean, really? That is what poor teams do. The Rangers literally just won a World Series where the strategy for rebuilding very quickly was just don't be poor. Don't be poor. And it worked. It won a World Series. You went from, you know, the laughingstock of baseball in 2020 saying, oh, this is the year. The West is on on notice. We put the West on notice. We got a top three in our rotation of, of Corey Kluber, Mike Miner, and Lance Lint. And then everyone laughed at you, as they should have, because the rest of your offense was frankly terrible. And then you head into 2021, and you lose 100 games for the first time since the 70s. You lose 94 games after spending half a, mil- half a billion dollars on a brand new infield in 2022. And then you head into this year, you completely revamp your rotation by spending a lot of money. 
And the fact that you've got a guy who's a gold glover, a silver slugger, and beloved in the clubhouse, and just frankly a very good player with three more years of team control, the fact that $9 million is too much for that guy, I don't understand it. I'm really worried that that is a mindset uh, because Evan is very closely linked to the team. Like I don't think he's just throwing this around willy-nilly. The fact that this is out there from a reporter is as respected as Evan is frankly worrisome to me because the Rangers are in trouble for in trouble of going the Mariners route of just crying poor after literally doing the exact opposite the last couple of years. And that just really scares the absolute crap out of me coming up. We're going to look at why that scares me, why it should not be the case and why, you know, despite the Rangers spending all this money, the last couple off seasons, they really haven't invested as much as people think. Right after this word from our sponsors. Shout out to the everydayers for making Locked on Rangers your first listen every single day on tomorrow's show. Breaking down what happens in day two of the winter meetings. Maybe the Rangers will actually be making a move. Maybe something will come out. There's been a whole lot of nothing so far, even though that doesn't really worry me all that much with the Rangers. But... You know, there's been a lot made about the Rangers, you know, spending like crazy the last couple offseasons, in which they have. They have improved the payroll significantly. But, I mean, given where they were in years past, I mean, this was not spending all that much. I mean, I talked about it on Friday's show a little bit when talking about the Bally Sports situation, why the Rangers are crying a little bit poor right now. And it's frustrating me because, granted, losing all of that money that was, you know, guaranteed to them possibly as much as $111 million was about what the Rangers were projected to make on from TV revenue next year. And it seems like they are one of the teams most likely to be dropped by Diamond Sports or Bally's parent company, which again, perplexes me because the Rangers are you know coming off a World Series win. Why would Bally want to dump their contract? I don't know. Um, I'm not in those executive meetings and I don't know those executives necessarily have a rational explanation. But the Rangers have been, you know, chalked up there with the Mets and uh, the Padres and the Yankees for spending crazy at the at the top of the market, just so much money on all these players, and it really hasn't been as much as people think, and it really hasn't been to get them as high as people think. I mean, obviously the Rangers are a top five market in Major League Baseball. I mean. They've got their broadcasts in five different states, including basically the entirety of Texas. They've got broadcast. They broadcast their game throughout, I think, all of Oklahoma, uh, parts of Arkansas, parts of Louisiana, parts of New Mexico as well. I mean, this team's broadcast rights are everywhere. They're, Dallas Fort Worth is a big, big market. The Rangers are coming off a World Series win, and they should be spending at the top end of the market. But before all of these contracts in the winter of 2021, the Rangers hadn't spent big really at all in nearly a decade. I mean, it has been a long, long time. The Rangers payroll, well, maybe a decade is a little bit too much, but since basically 2016, the Rangers stripped down payroll. And after they made, after they you know, missed out on the playoffs in 2017, I mean, the Rangers payroll just did not get all that high. It, it just wasn't. The Rangers were consistently top five, top 10 in payroll from 2011 when Ray Davis bought the team uh, all the way through 2016. And then those resources just, kind of went away. The Rangers weren't spending big in free agency. I mean, the only big free agent the Rangers really got um, in terms of, of you know, actually going out and signing a free agent from, you know, 2013, really, to 2021 was Shin Su Chu. And that worked out okay. Not great, but not terrible. 
and they did go, you know, I, I do want to give Ray Davis credit for going out and trading for Prince Fielder, which who did have a hefty contract. But again, um, that ended up being mostly covered by insurance because baseball's Iron Man at the time somehow uh, they, they missed a, a neck injury that ended up being career ending, which is unfortunate. But the Rangers haven't spent all that much. Granted, half a billion dollars on Mill Infield sounds crazy, and it was really expensive. But again, it was worth it. The Rangers, who are who have been given more than you know four year contracts, you can count them on one hand. You can count them with three fingers, even if you're missing two fingers. You can still count them on one hand. It's Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, and Jacob Degrom. Now, two of those three have very much worked out. Two of those three were top three in MVP voting this year, and even if you know, if they never play another game for the Texas Rangers, they won the first World Series in franchise history. So, job done. Those 30 innings from Jacob Degrom this year were not nothing. Um, granted, it hasn't worked out nearly as well as the Rangers hoped. There was obviously some risk built in there, but the Rangers knew that going forward. The rest have been, you know, mid-tier free agent signings. I mean, you have John Gray, who had a four-year deal, which is a solid-looking deal. You had Nathan Evaldi, which is, was a two to uh, three-year deal, depending on how some ex- incentives shake out. They did trade for Max Scherzer, but again, the Mets are still paying the large bulk of that salary, so I think he's making somewhere around the 22-ish million dollar range this year. So, not a whole lot for a guy who has won three Cy Youngs. Like, it's just really not that crazy expensive of a roster. And the Rangers Everyday Starters, they have a lot of guys who are young and you know, pre-arbitration. I mean, of their everyday starters next year, I mean, you've got um, you've got Josh Young, who's an all-star pre-arbitration. You've got Leo Tavares, who is still pre-arbitration. You've got Evan Carter. Um, and maybe at some point you have a little bit of White Langford, who will be in his first year of pro ball and, and probably a decent chunk of Ezekiel Durant next year. That's a lot of guys who are pre-arbitration, which means they will not even make a million dollars next year. They will be right around the league minimum. And then you have guys who are first-year arbitration eligible in Adoles Garcia and uh, Jonah Heim, neither of which I think are going to make more than five and a half million dollars. Then you got Nathaniel Lowe, who is arbitration eligible. He's make nine million dollars, and that's your lineup. There's two guys that are making a lot of money, and they're top three MVP candidates every single year. Gold Glovers, Silver Sluggers, All-Stars, World Series MVPs who are absolutely deserving of all the money that they're getting. So, I mean, this Rangers team is not spending, like, absolutely bonkers. I mean, the individual contracts have been, you know, eye-opening. But the Rangers' payroll before that was so substantially low, this was just to get them up to about where they should be. This was not spending in the Cohen zone. This was not spending way over their heads like the Padres did. I don't think the Rangers are going to be taking out a $50 million loan just to cover some short-term costs of contracts like the Padres did. The Rangers are a big market with big TV money. Now, what that TV money actually looks like next year, whether it's you know just hosted through MLB, maybe that's going to be the case. Maybe it is through Bally yet again, or maybe there's some other, you know, third party that comes in and swoops in and buys the rights that the Rangers lose their TV money. But it's just a worrying sign seeing the Rangers being like, mm, I don't know if we really want to go into luxury tax this year, even though we just brushed up against it last year, just to get a guy like bring back Jordan Montgomery or bring back Mitch Garver. Like those are the moves that I think the Rangers should be looking at doing, not playing for Yamamoto, not playing for Shohei Otani, as fun as that would be. Um, it's just not, what I'm asking the Rangers to do, not what 
I don't think Chris Young is asking for the Rangers to do it, but this is the budget he's been given. So this is what he's going to work with. And I just worry about what that means for this team long-term that they're just so worried. I mean, granted, I don't think, I don't think there's any way that the Rangers just lose exactly $111 million next year, no matter what the broadcast situation is. There's no way they are losing that much money. Now, the long-term ramifications of what the next TV deal look like, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of missing parts up in the air that the Rangers can't, you know, completely judge. But they literally just won a World Series. You've got all of the fan base behind you. You've got a lot of new fans. And if the first offseason, these new fans who jumped on the bandwagon and are thinking about, you know, sticking around being full-time baseball fans, if the first offseason they see is is your team crying poor after just winning World Series, I just worry about the optics that that sends. Now, I think there are two guys that the Rangers should absolutely be focusing on, and they're guys who have already been here. Even if the Rangers do nothing with the bullpen, which I think would be a mistake, but you know, we've seen how finicky bullpens can be. I think there's a lot of young guys in the Rangers system who are are primed to come up and hopefully make an impact in the big league level on the bullpen. Hopefully Josh Bores is more consistent next year. I trust Haley Leclerc as the closer. And there are some other guys with some stuff that, you know, could pop off or could be terrible, but I I think there's plenty of options and bullpens are often overrated as we saw when the Rangers won the world series. But I think the two guys who they should be looking at most to bring back are Jordan Montgomery and Mitch Garver. There was a, uh, post on Instagram that uh, Mitch Garver was tagged in where he was uh, talking about uh, potentially leaving. Um, This was a tweet out a screenshot of this by uh, Michael Beer. Um, This was at at, uh, AJKN.OWLES. The post was was talking about, you know, tag somebody who you're appreciative of this season. And they tagged Mitch Garver and said, man, I'm going to miss you so much on the Rangers. Mitch Garver himself replied uh, and said, who says I'm leaving? which is very interesting. And I think that there's definitely uh, a chance that he comes back. And the fact that it looks like he is interested in coming back to the Rangers, um, we'll see what kind of deal it looks like. But I think having him as your everyday DH um, affords you a little bit more security, um, gives you a backup catcher if something happens to Jonah Heim, heaven forbid. Um, but you also bring back a World Series, a guy who's got an incredibly hot bat that you know at any time can pretty much carry your offense for month and a month and a half long stretch as we saw in the back half of this regular season but i think jordan montgomery as well is a guy who just makes so much sense he's so incredibly durable he's a lefty i mean rangers fans love him he won a world series with you like it just makes absolutely all the sense in the world for a reunion i don't think he's going to be that outrageously expensive now i could be wrong he could end up you know getting a 150 175 million dollar i don't know what it's going to look like but at the projected cost of a spot track of around $120 million. I think that just makes too much sense not to do it. And one last bit of uh, news, Taylor Hearn, former Texas Ranger, signs with the Hiroshima Carp. He is heading over to Japan. Best of luck to Taylor, a guy who was with the Rangers for several seasons, a local kid, um, wishing him all the best in Japan. Hope he goes there, absolutely crushes it, comes back, gets a major league deal, and absolutely thrives. Maybe that's with the Rangers, maybe it's not, but I'm wishing all the best for that dude, and I think he's got hopefully a very bright future, and someday maybe coming back to Major League Baseball. But that's going to do it for today's show. Thank y'all so much for listening and subscribing, and until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series champion Texas Rangers baseball.